0: Hopefully none of you will get up and leave. We're going to be singing Mansion Over the Hilltop. It's an old traditional song. It's not in our uh, hymnal, but it's one I think most of you know. And any time we're up here singing like this, if you want to sing along, please join in and sing. Now, he just stole my thunder. He just cut my speech up. I I was just going to say, if y'all have heard us before, you know we need help. And so, if y'all would do that, uh, if you know the words, sing along. Uh, if you don't, make some up. We do that sometimes, too. And, and not just hum. Uh, I'm about to lose my voice here. Isn't, yeah, that, no, isn't don't that, do that special? That. Yeah, be quiet. Isn't that special? <laughs> oh. I'm sad.
1: Jimmy to be really sneaky. So when you're dancing, he just flips it real quick to that one. That's all I want. Just one Sunday. Because y'all... She's jamming back there. And I just wish one time he just... His finger just slipped and go, oops, switch cameras. Uh, This morning's scripture is in 1 Peter 2. And we're starting in verse 19. And it says, For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, One endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure? This is a gracious thing in the sight of the Lord. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his footsteps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth, but when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judged justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die. To sin and live to live righteousness. It's by His wounds that we are healed. For you are straying like sheep, but have now returned to the Shepherd and the Overseer of your soul. It's the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Heart, we, Dear gracious Heavenly Lord, we ask that you open our hearts. In our minds and our ears to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say for each of us. May we receive your word today. May we live it out. And may we glorify you in all of our actions. We ask all things in the precious and holy name of your risen Son. Amen. So, as we begin to look at this passage, and we begin in verse 19 with the words, Glorious things in the sight of God. Favor with God is found. For an example, when an employee treated unjustly accepts his or her poor treatment with faith that God is sovereign and he cares. So rather than to respond with anger, with hostility, or discontent, or pride, or rebellion, they walk meekly. We're not going to go over Matthew 5.11, but if you look at Matthew chapter 5, of course that's the Beatitudes. It tells you so much of how we should walk, how we should act in this life. And then, if we look at verse 21, we see the words, for to this. We are to patiently endure. That's what we are called to do. And the call, if you look at this from a New Testament epistle, it's the call to salvation. Peter's point here is that a person is called to salvation so they will endure that unfair treatment because we know this is temporary. But commendable behavior on the part of the believer in the midst of all your trials, all your suffering, no matter what, it actually shows you're strengthening, your perfecting as a believer here on earth. Because it's the believer's increased eternal capacity of God that will glorify him now, because what we do now, we will one day do in his presence. But then we have to look at a reference of leaving you an example. The word example here literally means written under. It was the writing, like you put a piece of paper under another one and you trace a pattern. Christ is the pattern for believers. We are to follow him in our suffering with perfect patience. I don't pray for patience anymore because I get too many opportunities to exercise it. So I'm like, afterward, I'm like, thank you God for that moment. Let's do something now. Let's do something different. But in Christ's death was the perfect atonement for sin. It was the pure example of what it means to endure. Verse 22, this is actually a quote from Isaiah 53. He was the perfect example of the patient endurance of unjust suffering because he was sinless just as the prophets said he would be. Remember, the prophets were very, very monumental to all the Jewish people because it was the presence of God that spoke to them. And so when the prophets gave them a word and they saw it come to light, God was still with them. That was the reassurance that they had. So have you ever had someone raise accusation and all of a sudden your name is attached to it? You don't know where it came from, just came out of left field? When you defend your character and you've walked with integrity, you have nothing to fear. But for a time, you are in an unjust situation. How you act is your example to others. How you act, how I act, is our direct reflection on God also. So in verse 23, we see the word reviled. To revile means to pile up. Pile up abuse, the language, just being totally against someone. You keep heaping stuff on them that every time they think they've reached the top and they're, and they're pushing through it, you just keep heaping more on it. Through the verbal abuse, Christ never retaliated. It was not a vicious word. There was not a threat. I don't know about you, but I've been in situations where I'm like, if you only knew the truth. And in that moment, I had such peace. There was no reason for me to say anything because I knew the truth. I knew the fullness of the situation. And sometimes in situations, people are just looking to draw us in because they don't realize they're being a tool of the enemy. They just want to draw us into the chaos so we have to find peace in knowing the truth of who we are because of whose we are. See, there's many of us that have walked with integrity through situations, but our, fre- our flesh just wanted to retaliate. And I say that because I'm pointing the fingers at me. I'm like, you don't know the whole situation. Let me just explain. Many times people don't wanna hear that right there in the moment. You get too emotionally caught up. Sadly, I think that's a lot of what's going on with the church. We're too emotionally caught up. But God said we are to take Scripture. We are to be pruned by the Scripture. We're to take our life and look in the mirror of truth that is Scripture and make sure that what our truth is matches the actual truth of Scripture, not what the world tells us the truth is. So this verse reminds us that we are to entrust Him. To entrust means to hand over. Christ was handed over to Pilate. Pilate handed him over to the Jews. But Christ ultimately handed himself over to God. They didn't take him. They didn't seize him. He willingly went. And they're in the garden. And they call out. He says, here I am. Many times when we're faced with with trouble and trials, our calmness speaks volumes to people. When we're simply like, here I am. Let's talk. But suffering in surprising silence is what Christ did because his perfect confidence in God and the righteousness of the Father was going to be brought to the surface. But sadly, there would be many more people caught up in what the Pharisees were doing before it would be seen. The next verse, it says, bore our sins. Christ didn't simply... Set the pattern of how we are to suffer. But far more importantly, he was our substitute. He wasn't what was put under the piece of paper. We're supposed to trace his footsteps. He became our substitute. And I think this is very important because to bear sin is to take on the punishment that is intended for someone else. And while we get that, we've heard it over and over, we know that he took our punishment. That was my cross he was on. Christ bore the punishment and the penalty for all believers that satisfied God. There's nothing we can do to repay a debt enough that would satisfy God. But you see, it's this great doctrine of the substitution for atonement that truly is the heart of the gospel. Because actual atonement is the sufficiency of the debt of sin that the world has has set the bar for. And we see in this verse also the words that we might die to sin." I think this is where so many of us get to and we stop, "Oh, Christ did that. I'm good. That was over there. I'm good. We still play a role, even though He was our substitute. We must die to sin." This is true by the miracle of Christ raising from the dead we have to remember we died to sin in a sense with him. We paid the debt with him, the penalty and the death because he died in our place. But when we say I'm giving you my life, we're saying we're dying to those old ways. We have to fight those old ways. We have to rebuke those old ways. And I love the part of of the baptism. When I take somebody and I put them under the water and I say death to your old life they're all the way under and as they come up I say now you're raised to a new that's so symbolic and I'll be honest I cry like a baby every time because it's more than the physical act we move on to the word righteousness live righteousness here that's a declaration not only have we been declared just The penalty of our sin has been paid by his death. But we have risen to walk a new life empowered by the Holy Spirit. I heard someone say this week, hell was not meant for man. Hell was meant for the angels that were disobedient. We voluntarily go. We choose to be disobedient. God has done everything he can and still does everything he can by provenient grace to show us to help prune those parts of our lives. If we're rebellious and the enemy's holding the ticket for us to jump on that train with him, I'll be honest, there's areas of my life I still struggle. I'm like, really God? Is it that bad? Yeah, when I look in, stru- in scripture and I compare it to the actual truth, yeah. There are still areas that every single one of us have that need to be pruned. And we go into the words that says, by his wounds, We have been healed. You see, it's through the wounds of Christ on the cross that the believers are healed spiritually from the deadly sin disease. The physical healing comes at glorification only. When we're no longer in physical pain, illness, death, or fighting our flesh. And then we come to verse 25 and and we see the word return. Return. Return literally means to turn towards something. This is a reference of repentance for our faith. We have to repent in order to receive salvation. We can't take salvation. We have to receive it. And then next you see the words, shepherd and overseer. Christ is not only the Christian standard and our substitute, but he is still our shepherd every single day. You know, in the Old Testament, the title of shepherd for the Lord was very messianic. And even though we have several that do not believe he has returned yet, that is still very messianic in in meaning. But beyond that, shepherd and overseer was one of the most appropriate descriptions of Christ that Peter could use in order for new believers to understand being persecuted and slandered, it's okay. Because your shepherd is still seeing. He still knows what you're going through. You know, we, we're to follow Christ with humility. We're to be grateful for the way that Jesus fulfilled the words of Isaiah 53. He suffered in silence, taking the insults, taking the threats without retaliation, So many of us, when we bite our tongue, when it comes to threats and insults, we truly are showing someone else that we can live this life and someone else's opinion doesn't necessarily matter because that's between them and God. It is a heart issue. Everything that's going on in this world is brought all the way down to a heart issue. Jesus did everything for our salvation so that we would be dead to our sin and live through righteousness. This is going to get some pushback, but I'm going to say it: following Christ is not a moral decision on our part. We were lost searching for hope. Morals were not always part of it when we made that decision that we're going to follow him. It was not the gauge that we necessarily used. We were searching for something better. We were searching for hope. We were searching for answers. And when we experienced a rebirth, that is what Peter is telling us. He gave us an example, he gave us a moral gauge to live by. Mankind has limitations. To know our limitation is to know why believers come back to the well of God's word again and again to be refreshed and renewed. To know our limitations is why the Christians realize we can never do anything to earn God's favor. To know our limitations is why we look to Jesus as a way to live so that we have Christ-like actions that will witness more to people than any word we can ever say. To know our limitations is to know that we have to keep chasing after the one who holds our hope. You see, we have to know our limitations because we don't live in the times of the disciples. Part of me wishes I did because I want to witness that stuff. I'm a visual person. I want to witness that stuff. Part of me is thankful I don't. Because we don't deal with an ounce of the suffering they did but i do believe there is coming a day when the enemy will amp everything up right before he returns and we will see so much more suffering than we know now but to know our limitations is to know who is limitless and that's where we need to be at the foot of the cross let's pray Almighty God, we ask that you search our hearts. You see every part of us. God, if there is anything in any corner of our life that we do not realize needs to be pruned, let there be no secret hidden place of ourselves to ourselves. God, we ask that you bring it to the surface and reveal it, help us to work through it, help us to lay it at your feet. Help us to look at our life in the spiritual truth of Scripture. God, we ask that your Holy Spirit cleanse our hearts so that we can love perfectly just as you love us. God, we strive every day, and we know we will never reach perfection until the day you call us home and completely heal us from this sinful world. But God, we pray that our lives will be worthy of glorifying your holy name. We ask all things in the precious and holy name of your risen Son. Amen.